Lisa Jones with Brian Jones Farms in Ed Couch, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you just jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this has been a long and brutal cotton growing season, but it's just about over. Growers in the very northern part of the panhandle are wrapping up their harvest as we speak. We'll check in with Gerald Key of Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman, Texas, coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For agriculture producers in the Texas High Plains and the rest of the state, life would be a lot better if La Nina just went away. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about how soon that might happen. Wrapping up the corn year in 2022, as Texas corn producers begin planning for their seed choices for 2023. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. The unusual weather conditions during November and December here in the coastal bend have been a blessing to our farmers and ranchers. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Practically all of the Texas cotton crop has now been harvested. Harvest is essentially over. Very little left out there. It would already be over if it wasn't for these humid days, but the harvest part of it's over, the trucking part's still ongoing, but it's winding down pretty quick. That's Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman. He runs one of the northernmost gins in Texas. For the most part, we were pretty pleasantly surprised. Yields were a little bit better than expected. Grades are kind of so-so. We had some leaf issues and some different kind of bark, some different issues. But if you can make a three-plus bell cotton that can overcome some of those quality issues, had a guy called him to get signed up for the ton club, so that's always a pleasant deal when a guy makes 2,000 pounds per acre. And it's a good year to be in the ton club because all those South Plains guys that didn't make a crop are mm-hmm. going to be in the running for that pickup. And speaking of that one-ton club, BASF has opened the application window for the FiberMax one-ton club with the deadline for entries February 28th. Qualifying growers who attend the banquet on March 30th in Lubbock can enter for a chance to win a two-year lease on a Ford Super Duty F-350 Lariat truck. BASF has also opened the application window for the Stoneville Legacy Club with an application deadline of January 15th. Applicants who rank in the top 10% of yields submitted for their state will qualify to receive an all-expenses-paid trip for two to the Henderson Beach Resort in Destin, Florida. 
Ag groups across the country are setting their priorities for the 2023 Farm Bill as that debate will get underway in earnest when the next Congress convenes after the first of the year. Rice producers set their Farm Bill priorities recently, according to USA Rice CEO Betsy Ward. So we actually just passed our Farm Bill principles at a board meeting yesterday, um, and it's they haven't changed a lot from the last Farm Bill. We like the PLC program that's worked well for us. We think it needs to have um, some sort of adjustment going forward for inflation and for you know changes in the cost of production because it's based on you know what what are the uh, what, you know the the cost of production versus what the prices are and it really hasn't. It's a good program, but it hasn't kept up with changing environments. So we're looking for changes there. We're, we're big players in the conservation space, so funding for conservation is also really important to the rice industry. Rice farmers from around the country met to set their farm bill priorities recently at the USA Rice Outlook Conference in Austin. Life would be a lot better for Texas farmers and ranchers if La Nina just went away. James Hunt takes a look at how soon that may happen. Farmers and ranchers in the Texas High Plains are hoping for a change in weather patterns that will improve our precipitation situation. Well, we're not quite there yet, says Mike Gettinger with the National Weather Service Amarillo office. We're still kind of in a winding pattern right now. The expectation is that it's going to be transitioning toward a neutral, and that's generally good for us. Yes, we can get improved rain prospects when we're in a neutral weather pattern. An El Nino pattern would be even better, but that doesn't look to happen anytime soon. Gittinger says maybe not until about a year from now. At any rate, for the time being, it looks like our third consecutive winter of La Nina. And then neutral comes along, although exactly when is not for certain. Transitioning out of these things can be really tricky. Sometimes the conditions can kind of change quickly and sometimes it can kind of linger on. But the current outlook for the spring is still for just a pad leaning toward below normal precipitation in the spring months if you look at kind of March, April, May. Now that last bit might have sounded kind of discouraging, but Gittinger says we need to understand he's going off a range of probabilities calculated by the Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center. The higher probabilities of below normal are really focused on New Mexico and far west Texas, Trans-Pecos kind of area. And our probability for below normal precipitation is just kind of sitting in that a little over 33, you know, kind of 35, 40% type range, which isn't very high because that means that there's about the same probability of average and, you know, maybe just a tad under that probability, something in the 20s for above average. Once again, that was Mike Gettinger with the National Weather Service's Amarillo office. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This was a tough year for corn farmers here in Texas, but Tom Nicoletti tells us other areas of the country had a pretty good year. My guest today is Scott Walker. He is Corn Product Marketing Manager with Pioneer. Caught up with him recently to find out from him how the year shaped up for corn farmers across Texas and other regions. Scott, what can you tell us? Farmers have had a pretty good year besides some of the challenges that they face with kind of a, a late planting season across the majority of the U.S. We had some late April and early May rains. Obviously, the drought to the west, especially I know some of your growers there in the Texas Panhandle have really been facing that with limited water to begin with. And then this year with the extreme drought conditions that they've seen, we're seeing a, a pretty good advantage, a five and a half bushel advantage with our new genetics, our, our top demanded products that, that we have out there in the market today. So really looking forward to 
expanded those on more growers' farms, especially in the Texas geography. You say five and a half bushels per acre, is that dry land or irrigated? So that five and a half, that's over our top demanded product. So it's going to be both irrigated and dry land. So if I'm looking at dry land, I'm going to look and make sure what we've got some Aquamax products. We've got an Aquamax suite of products. With those, we've got just a, like a 5.1 bushel advantage in all regions, in all environments. But if you dive into that more local in the drought-stricken areas and the, the sub-150 bushel environments, it's actually about a 7.9 bushel advantage in those drought-stressed areas. What about some seed decisions for 2023 for those corn producers in Texas? Reach out to your local Pioneer representative in your geography. They're going to know the products inside and out, how they're going to fit on those particular acres, whether you're in the Coastal Bend geography down in the Rio Grande Valley or up in the Texas Panhandle to put together a growing plan for the 2023 season. That's Scott Walker. He is with Pioneer. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Unusual weather conditions in the Texas Coastal Bend have been a blessing for farmers and ranchers there. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, as 2022 draws to a close, ranchers here in the lower Coastal Bend area of South Texas are thankful that our region was blessed with some above average rains during the month of November and warmer than usual temperatures throughout December thus far. And those conditions have resulted in some drastic improvements in pasture conditions after months of droughty conditions. Those pastures were in pretty rough shape back at the start of November. That additional moisture and those warm days and nights here during December have brought on some lush grazing and our cattle are going into the winter in much better conditions than normal. And those pasture conditions are certainly benefiting from these weather conditions. Now, farmers have been busy putting out fertilizer and making some final preparations to their land in preparation for those spring plantings, corn planting here in South Texas starting most years in early February. So they're getting a jump start while the sun is shining and the soil moisture has been a benefit for the handful of producers that grow spring wheat. I visited with a producer last week who said it was planting beautifully and was looking for great stands and couldn't ask for better planting conditions for his spring wheat. Now, the Corpus Christi Cotton Classing Office is wrapping up their season. At the conclusion of November, they had classified just over 1.2 million bales from the 42 gins here in the southeast Texas trade area. They have a bale samples from a handful of those 49 gins that submit samples to that particular classing office. With January just around the corner, that means the 88th annual Nueces County Junior Livestock Show will be kicking off following the new year. They have two weeks of activities and competitions planned for the 4-H FFA and FCLA members. And this year's show will kick off on the 8th of January, run through the 21st. They have informed me that there are some 3,788 project entries from the 4-H, FFA, and FCLA kids this year. Looking forward to a great event here in January. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. There is a new proposal designed to avoid angler confusion related to fishing regulations at community fishing lakes. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and training and management of horses can affect their likelihood of developing gastric ulcers. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Training and management of horses can affect their likelihood of developing gastric ulcers. Dr. Bob Judd tells how. The results of a recent study were mentioned in the horse publication that focused on how changing a horse's environment can affect their health. The group evaluated 81 Icelandic horses that were at pasture and were brought in and were housed, fed meals, and entered a training program. The horses were brought in and all had a gastroscopic exam in which the veterinarian placed a camera in each horse's stomach and examined the stomach walls. The horses were then scoped again eight weeks later after being moved and on the new regimen. Dr. Nana Lutherson indicates the group used Icelandic horses as they had not been studied for ulcers previously, as there were no endoscopes in Iceland. The first two weeks, the horses were trained on accepting the saddle and groundwork, and then the training increased up to five days of ridden work per week. Surprisingly, the ulcer prevalence was high when the horses were just brought in from the pastures, as over 70% had squamous ulcers and 47% had glandular ulcers. At the second evaluation in eight weeks, only 14% of the horses had squamous ulcers and 11% had glandular ulcers. This was a significant reduction in ulcers without any medical treatment. Most of the horses continued on a forage-only diet during the study, while the rest received mostly forage plus a very small amount of commercial feed or small amounts of soaked beet pulp. The authors of the study believe that feeding a forage-based diet three or more times per day was a major factor in decreasing the amount of ulceration. In the study, training did not increase the number of ulcers, and the feeding schedule was more important for decreasing ulcers than any other parameter. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is a new proposal designed to avoid angler confusion related to fishing regulations at community fishing lakes. Jessica Domel explains it in today's Wildlife Report. Anglers may see a few changes to state freshwater fishing regulations for the 2023-2024 season. Texas Parks and Wildlife Department staff gave the public and the Parks and Wildlife Commission a preview of proposed changes at a recent meeting. One potential change is a modification of the definition of a community fishing lake, or CFL. Michael Tennant, TPWD's Regulations and Policy Coordinator, explained. Community fishing lakes are public impoundments, 75 acres or smaller, located totally within incorporated city limits or a public park, and all impoundments of any size within the boundaries of the state park. 
The new definition of a CFL, if adopted, would exclude impoundments greater than 75 acres that are totally within the boundaries of state parks to avoid angler confusion related to fishing regulations. TPWD staff propose several changes to fishing regulations at CFLs as well. Currently, fishing regulations at CFLs follow statewide standards with special exemptions for catfish, bass, and sunfish. The proposed rule change would remove special exemptions for blue and channel catfish and would remove statewide daily bag, possession, and length limits for other species of fish. The potential rule change would implement a daily bag limit of five, all species in aggregate, with one black bass greater than 14 inches for most CFLs and continue catch and release only exceptions for five CFLs. We are hopeful that this new regulation will enhance the overall fishing experience for CFL anglers by reducing regulatory complexity and enhancing and diversifying fishing opportunities. We'll have more on additional proposed changes on our next episode. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Live cattle and cotton finished higher to start the week on Monday, while feeder cattle and grains headed lower. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw mixed close in the cattle complex to kick off the week on Monday with live cattle moving higher, but feeder cattle were lower. Live cattle getting strength from a big boost in the boxed beef market, as well as a steady cash market over the last couple of weeks. December live cattle up 22 cents, 155.27. The February up 27, 156.05. April live cattle up 22 at 159.92. However, the feeder cattle market dropped lower in Monday's trade. The January contract getting hit the hardest. It was down $1.67, 182.10. March feeders down 90 cents, 183.80, while April was down 65, 187.47. Cash fed cattle trade quiet for Monday. However, we wrapped up last week selling cattle mostly steady here in Texas at 155. Boxed beef prices higher Monday, choice up another dollar one at two sixty three eighty four, while select was up a dollar sixty six two thirty seven eleven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny Mingus from Milam County Livestock, my guest. He sold them on Friday. Kenny, how was that last sale of the year? It uh, it got really well for us, Larry. We had a total of 25-18. Out of that mix, we had 728 cows and I had 143 buyers. Good. How close were you to your projections? I think I said 750 cows. I'm not sure, but uh, but I missed the calf cow. Well, let's walk the pins. With the steers under 300, one at 250. Three to 400 pound steers, 150 to 247 and a half. 
four to five hundred pound steers, one twenty to two thirty, two fifty, and over five hundred eighty to two fourteen. On the heifers, one fifty to two thirty, under three hundred to four hundred, one thirty five to two fourteen, four to five hundred, one twenty to two sixteen, and over five hundred seventy to one ninety nine. Packer cows, they added just a little bit from thirty nine to seventy nine. Packer bulls, seventy to one hundred two. On your bred cows, of course, we had that special from four hundred to twenty seven hundred, and on your pairs from six hundred to twenty eight fifty. You had a good sale, twenty five hundred yes, and something. Uh, last one for the year. When do y'all come back? Uh, we come back. What's the first Friday in January? I think that's the sixth. So, January the sixth. We look forward to, to doing business with everybody again next year. Hope y'all have a, a merry Christmas and a happy New Year and a safe one. Good. Have you gotten to hunt any yet? Well, I'm here now. <laughs> You're down there now. Have they had, <laughs> yes, have they had moisture they're, they're down moving, there? They're moving around pretty good, and it's drizzling rain. So, well, a drizzly day hunting is better than a drizzly day doing other things. So. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny. You bet, guys. We'll be in and out during the holidays, but catch us at the office at 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at milehamcountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for what you do, Larry. Thank we appreciate you. you. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed in Monday's trade. February hogs down seven cents, eighty-five seventy. April hogs up twenty-seven, ninety-three dollars even. Class three milk was mixed also. Nearby December milk up three cents at twenty fifty-three a hundredweight, while January milk was down fourteen cents, nineteen ten a hundred. The cotton market sharply higher today as concerns over the crop in India seem to be the biggest factor in Monday's trade. It looks like some areas of that country are reducing their cotton crop by 75% due to adverse rains and pests. March cotton up 216 points Monday, 8408. May cotton up 188 at 8396, while new crop December was up 119 points, 81.41 cents. Corn market lower with rain in the forecast for Argentina this weekend and ongoing concerns about slow corn demand. March corn dropping five and three quarters, 647 and a quarter. New crop September corn down three at 607 and a quarter. Wheat market slightly lower. March Kansas City wheat down a half, 843 and a half. New crop July down three quarters at 831. Soft wheat market lower also. March Chicago wheat down five cents. 748 and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas down 79 cents at 580. January West Texas crude up a dollar 32, 7561 a barrel. The financial markets lower Monday afternoon, the Dow down 229 points at 32,690. The Nasdaq down 186, 10,518, while the S&P was down 43 points at 3,809. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, Check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.